Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Today we have Alex Bishop. Would you mind like letting people know your specialty, where you are, what you do? Yeah, so I'm a registered professional counselor. Uh, I live in Ontario, Canada. Um, I specialize in, I would say I more identify as a trauma therapist. Um, and then looking at, you know, how that manifests in our romantic relationships um so i help people to my whole thing is like i help you heal your barriers to love and connection and uh and more specifically in the way that manifesting in my specific niche that i'm in is is a relationship anxiety or a relationship ocd but i do work with a variety of different people um and i use the internal family systems model to to help them with that so it's uh people don't know what it is it's it's a parts work and it's a form of inner work um then it really looks at um healing the root of what we're dealing with uh anyway i could talk a little bit more about ifs if you want but that's yeah. a little little intro i think inner child language is becoming more popularized on social media but um the difference here being that you know this is your profession your the equivalent of what we have in the U.S. is the licensed therapist. And so you're able to do so with that trauma-informed lens. Yeah. Um, but for those who don't know what relationship anxiety is or relationship OCD, how would yes. you best explain that? Okay, well, maybe we'll just, maybe we'll use relationship OCD just for simplicity. Because uh, I feel like it more accurately describes the issue. Uh, so relationship OCD is obsessive uh, uh, rumination on the rightness of one's relationship. That's the basics. Um, it's the uh, it's the, the constant questioning of whether our partner is right for us, whether we love them, whether we're attracted, whether we're compatible, uh, whether we should be with someone else maybe that we feel happier with. Um, the, the compulsions are more of, you know, the the checking to see if we are feeling love, the comparing our relationship to others' relationships to, um, you know, comparing our partner's level of attractiveness to our, maybe our friends or their friends or people on the street or whatever it is. So um, the obsessions or intrusive thoughts are usually surrounding whether it's right, whether or not we're perhaps we're making a huge mistake by being in this relationship. And the compulsion step in to reduce the feelings of anxiety, shame, and guilt that we have about the thoughts that we're having about our relationship. Um, that's more of the obsessive and compulsive spectrum of it. There's a whole other uh, component to it, which is the attachment lens. And um, from a lot of the people that I work with and myself, um, I've really found that there's a real, there's a level of disorganized attachment that uh, comes with relationship OCD, where we are often we have parts of us often very young that are desperate for connection. 
And we also have protective parts of us that, um, that believe that connection is dangerous. So we have putting the brakes on in our relationship, you know, blocks to intimacy, blocks to connection. I, you know, not being attracted, not feeling interested in having sex or being intimate, whatever it is. And, um, and then on the other hand, the, the desperation of, I need this connection. I need this to work out. Um, I'm terrified of losing my partner. So there's really, there's, there's that. So there's the obsessive compulsive spectrum. There's this disorganized attachment spectrum. And there's also the, what we would call legacy burdens and IFS internal family systems model where um, we take on cultural beliefs and uh, points of view that were passed down through media and TV and family and everything in, in our culture that confuses love with romance. And a lot of people were walking around believing that they need to be head over heels for their partner all the time. And uh, they're mistaken. They're, they're not, no, a lot of people aren't in touch with, with what real love is. So we add the legacy burden in there, which fuels the obsessions because the obsessive parts of us say, this can't be right. I'm not feeling the way that I felt that I learned I should in my relationship. I'm making a horrible mistake here. I'm not supposed to be feeling pulled away and disconnected and numb and, and, um, and, and angry and critical and demanding and all these experiences that we have. That's not the way I'm supposed to feel my relationship. It must be a sign that I'm with the wrong person. And then that fuels the obsessive and compulsive issue. So from the lot of work that I've done in this area, I've, I've identified that, that that seems to be the core, these three different systems. And within those systems, there's subsystems. So, but that's kind of a general overview of what I think I have um, relationship OCD to be. Yeah, the legacy burdens part really stands out. Um, anyone who's listened to my podcast so far has an idea of the attachment styles and the legacy burden coming through culture, coming through social media, coming through looking at your friends and family and their thing and kind of wanting to copy and paste it onto your own relationship. I have a little bit of anger around that because it almost feels impossible to escape. It is really hard to notice the matrix, so to speak, and step outside mm -hmm. of the bubble of, come on, love is blind right now. Um, all the dating shows, everything that's telling you, I found the one and this is how yeah. I know I feel good. So how do you help people come out of that and understand what real love is? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, the good news is that we're not stuck with it. Um, it's a burden and it doesn't belong to us. And the things that don't belong to us in our, in our inner systems can be um, processed and let go of. Uh, IFS is one way there's a there's a whole line of work within the IFS framework that helps us identify where we're holding these burdens and how to release them um, because they're they're energetic patterns that we hold in our body and our nervous systems and our mind and our cells however we're holding this energy that where we're holding this belief that doesn't belong to us and um 
through going inside and noticing where that is in our body and where we're holding it and noticing what what it means for us and and you maybe you know and the how it manifests there's a way that we can consciously um process that out of our systems and um and doing that actually makes space for real love because um the oftentimes these burdens are blocking our access to love and not only that i think you know there's more work that we need to do in addition to letting this burden go this but um which is healing the parts of us that have learned that love is dangerous or have learned that connection is dangerous or you know who have lived in unpredictable environments growing up where they wasn't safety and connection i think once we sift through all of these obstacles and constraints um and when these parts of us that have vowed to never let us open our hearts again because they're so afraid of us getting hurt when those parts can relax when the pain's healed um it makes space for our our authenticity and our our ability to be in our love and i say um love isn't something that happens when two people come together it's not this like something we obtain through the right person it's it's a state of being it's really ultimately who we are inside and we can embody that space and we can share that with not only with our partners but with the world like i can be in my love with you i can be in my love with a stranger walking down the street i can feel open and wide open and loving and um that's very counter to what we've learned about love um and it's but it's it's freeing because it says that, you know, I'm not going to fall in love with everybody. Like not everyone's going <clears> to, <throat> but that's different, right? The, I think that it's the confusion between that love is infatuation and romance, but love isn't. Love is a state of being. And it's really who we are. And we can work our way back into being in that love and coming home to ourselves. When I'm talking with couples in therapy, um, we talk about how a relationship is something that you own. It's something that once you enter into it, you have to maintain it and take care of it and nourish it. And so, so many folks will start out with all of the passion and all of the vibes and all the things yeah, and then hit that first breaker where it's, where did it go? I'm trying so hard to swim back to what it was like before. Yeah. Yeah. I see that too. I mean, we're, we fall into this, I like the, it's the honeymoon phase, right? It's yeah. the, and, uh, and people it's, it's this, I think, I think what ends up happening for people is that we've learned that we've learned that a person, a human being is going to help us to achieve a state of transcendence. And, uh, and uh, we we worship people we worship normal human beings and a lot of us in our culture we've we're disconnected from our own spirit from spirituality and from spiritual practices that give us a sense of oneness and feeling of belonging with the universe and i think we're placing too much weight and expectations on one person to help us achieve that and uh it's it's a longing i think on a spiritual level there seems to be this longing with union with God or whatever we want to call it. 
Um, and we're, we're expecting our partners to do that for us. Um, when, you know, years and years ago, we, and with different cultures and traditions, we've had ways of connecting with this higher, whatever God, if we want to call it God and, um, our, with it's an impossible weight that we're putting on our partners to help us to get there. And it's also an expectation, I think on more of a psychological level, there's an expectation that our partners are going to save us from these feelings of loneliness and emptiness that we've, we've been burdened by, by not having adequate care from our caregivers, by not having the love and attention and nurturance and support that we were supposed to get from our loved ones. Um, and now we long for that in relationship. And then six months to whatever, two years or however long the honeymoon lasts, people realize that, okay, this relationship isn't doing it for me anymore. And I got to, this maybe I, I got to find someone else because I can't stand the way I feel when I'm not in relationship. So it's a love addiction. That's the love addiction. Um, and I think that it's an opportunity. If we know that it's an opportunity to turn our attention inside and find that in a different way. And our relationships benefit from that because when we can take that impossible weight off our partners, there's more freedom for expression and being who we are in a relationship with one another. I think the other part of that too, the folks who, so people who find their way to this podcast probably know about the purity culture thing, which have you heard of it? Mm, kind of tell me about it though. Purity culture was a phenomenon in the, Christian church in the United States that was very focused on true love weights was the slogan, I think in the eighties. True love weights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was very much about waiting for sex, waiting for sex, waiting for sex, marry sex. And not right. only do you marry and have sex, but for your struggles, God has blessed you with an abundant and rich sex life. Um, people uh, who went to youth groups heard of this thing called the crazy hot wife paradigm, where for some reason, youth pastors were coming on stage and saying, guys, this is what happens when you wait. Look at my crazy hot wife. We have amazing sex. God is good. And, you know, all the 11 year olds in the crowd are like, awesome. This is the thing. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so I do think purity culture, too, had a lens of your partner will save you, but in a really weird and different way. It was the idea for ladies to see this man as this person that will basically be Jesus yeah. for you and guide you, lead you, almost be infallible, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then for men, being able to see a woman as, and this is just a broad brushstroke, but seeing women as, hey, you'll never have to struggle with sexual stuff ever again because you'll have this wife who's devoted you. She's always nurturing, calm, kind, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. So it, it's no different than, you know, the regular cultural paradigms, non-religious, the Disney paradigm, yeah, where you get this, finally, this person that I've been yeah. waiting for my whole life has come into the picture. And then you realize that they're human yeah <laughs> it's like what do i do <laughs> right right i mean wait a minute <laughs> yeah and i think you know it we like for a lot of us rationally we know that it's that's not the way it is but because we hold the legacy burden because parts of us are really 
I mean, we we've taken this on since we were little kids watching Disney and we've internalized this idea of what love is. So it's even though rationally we know it's still very counter to what we've taken on to believe what love and relationship is like. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think it it is really with that, like purity culture, it's, we are, there seems to be, it's an expectation of that. We're, we're entering into relationship with the divine and we're not we're, we are, we are, but we're not, because there's the divine i think i mean this is my belief and from an ifs lens and knowing that we each have a spiritual core in each of us i think that we do enter relationship with the divine but we're what we're seeing is all the personality and all their parts which we're all walking around with a bunch of wounds and uh we can never ex- we can't expect someone to show up for us in the way that we need them to in the way that maybe god would show up for us or jesus would show up for us or whoever i mean that people human beings i think are are capable of unconditional love because we have that in 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 us i think that's who we are at our core but our parts that are wounded are not capable of unconditional love and our parts because of the hurt that they've what that's happened to us they're going to hurt people we're going to hurt others we're going to say stuff that that rocks us and we're going to you know we're going to people are going to cheat on their partners and people are you know we're we all do this because we hold these wounds and so i think like it's yeah anyway that's well you know with what you were describing as relationship ocd and anxiety before I am plus attachment theory, um, which spark notes version, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, disorganized, secure. Yes. I think folks with anxious avoidant or the fun combo pack are probably more comfortable with some of the wounds, some of the things that are familiar, like uh, Mm -hmm. getting ghosted, having toxic explosive arguments Mm -hmm. and making up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm wondering, since this is your specialty, if relationship OCD lies more in the really subtle, just regular human things rather than the big wounds. So ruminating about um, partners' personality or how they laugh or how they dress or that they didn't, I don't know, talk this way with your parents when they met them more so than fixating on the bigger things what do you oh yeah yeah let let me say something maybe we'll see if it touches on what you're talking about what what i've typically found is that um or what i find is that people with relationship ocd it doesn't seem to hit until they get with someone that's emotionally available so they're used to they're they feel more um they, the chaos of a relationship of being with someone that's avoidant or that has one foot out the door or that's giving mixed signals is it's that adrenaline hit that, that kind of is the fuel to, for them to say for those anxious parts to chase. And when that chasing is happening, they're getting a sense of, um, they're getting a sense of, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling good about this because it's what they're used to. They're used to the chaos. And when, 
all of a sudden they're with, they've chosen somebody that doesn't display these unhealthy patterns or these unavailable patterns. And they're with someone that's available. It then flips to the avoidant side and it freaks out the avoidant parts because the avoidant parts are like, Hey, this person's available. There's a risk that they're going to see us. They want to get to know us for who we really are. The avoidant people don't want to get to know us. So it's easier to be in a relationship with them because they're one foot out the door but our avoidant parts freak out when they're with available people because an available person's like, I want to get, I want to know you. And that our avoidant parts have spent a lifetime trying to keep people out of our authenticity because they're terrified of us getting rejected. So, um, so then what happens is, is then the avoidant parts are then trying to sabotage this, secure or at least emotionally available person the relationship that we're in and it's pointing out all these things right like oh they're not doing you know that it's it's there there's this nitpicking that happens there's they're not good enough there are all these ways to prevent us from getting close and being available and open and from us being seen so and then what i what i also see is that the avoidant, because of that, the avoidant parts activate the obsessive parts. So the, if the avoidant parts, as I said earlier, when they put up walls and when we feel disconnected and removed and, and numb and not interested and whatever, it, it activates the obsessive parts because the obsessive parts say, this isn't what I learned relationship was supposed to be like. So we should find someone that we feel more excited with and that we feel this adrenaline kick with. And when I ask people, because people come to me and say, well, I didn't have this in my last relationship. I, I'm having this in my relationship. So I'm, it must be my relationship. This is the problem. And I say, well, what was your old other relationship like? And let's compare the two. And we nine times out of 10 find that the relationship that they were in, they were with someone that was on that had an uh, insecure attachment. They were more avoidant and there was this need to chase them. And, uh, so yeah. Yeah. Is that, isn't that the plot of, you know, every Hallmark movie is like this <laughs> two people who are getting to know each other. Some misunderstanding happens. There is zero communication around that. Instead, someone hops on a plane, uh, yeah. and leaves and then, you know, it's the airport scene. Exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, that being a little bit more home base, the push, pull, the chase, the thrill of I'm going to get it. I'm going to yeah. win them over or they're going to win me over. But once you get into a relationship where the other person's just got arms wide open, it's yeah. like everything gets quiet and then the brain just like yeah. breaks the F out. Exactly. I uh, There's a quote. Do you know about the Enneagram? Definitely, I do. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so the in the book, the wisdom of the enneagram. Um, the this is I'm a seven, a seven winged six. So, uh, there, there's a a quote about boredom, and he he writes or whoever the author is writes that um, uh, boredom is the anxiety we feel when the environment isn't providing adequate stimulation to keep uh painful or negative feelings at bay and Oof. right i mean when we have nothing to do that boredom is that anxiety it's my environment's not enough for me to to 
keep above or stay away from these feelings that I'm feeling that I've been trying to run away from my whole life. And I think that fits into a relationship sometimes when we have a safe and stable partner. There's not all of these highs and lows and ups and downs where it's more baseline. And it's like, this isn't doing it for me. It's, it's not allowing me to, it's not giving me this kick that I'm usually used to. And there was a, the holistic psychologist, uh, she, let me bring up a quote that she said the other day. When, when we're unhealed, we're attracted to the bad boy or chaotic, unpredictable people. They give us a hit of adrenaline our body craves that we'll call that we call passion. They allow us to play the familiar role of working or proving ourselves to be loved, just as we did as children. As we heal, we're attracted to safe people whose words match their actions, who show us love beyond survival mode. I think that really fits in with what we're talking about here. Yeah. Mm. So you you've mentioned sporadically or maybe more often than I think on your Instagram about your partner and your experience with it. So what did this look like for you? Because I think that's another common misconception is that I've been in therapy, I've done all the work, and so I should be good. Or I should know what it should look like. Um, Well, like what relationship should look like or what? Yeah, yeah. Feeling that once you've done, quote unquote, the work that it means that this no longer has the potential to get triggered. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. When in your relationship or personal experience, what has this journey been like? Yeah, it's been pretty much hell for a lot of the, a lot of it. (laughs) Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's been really, it's been really tough. I, I, um, I'm not, I, for a little bit there for probably about a year or, or more, I, I was saying that I was free and I, I was like it, it, it was a gradual journey. The, the initial hit was when, and this is common for a lot of people. It commonly hits around um, uh, like big major transitions. So I just left a career as a financial advisor and I was embarking on a new journey into counseling i moved uh, across the continent to vancouver um i was went to a new school i had just moved i was doing long distance relationship with my partner so all of these stressors hit me at once and um and it really activated me and the i had experienced relationship ocd in my previous relationships but uh it wasn't anything like this so but long story short um, it was so bad that, you know, I was, uh, I remember going to the psych unit one time needing to I get some anxiety meds because of how bad it was. Um, you know, I was paranoid. I was in panic. Most of the time I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was, I th- was throwing up. So, um, but, and so at that point it was an everyday thing. It was an everyday all day thing. And then eventually I was like, I can't, I need help. I, there's no way that I can deal with this on my own. I bought Cheryl Paul's work. Do you know Cheryl Paul? Yeah. Yeah. She, she's I love wisdom her. of anxiety. Yeah. She's got mm-hmm. a book. She's got a course too. Uh, freedom from relationship anxiety. And 
that helped to a certain extent, but I, there was a point where I said I need professional help. So it wasn't until I got started seeing a therapist that things started to really shift for me and where I could have more space internally to see what was actually going on, which led me into psychedelic work, which led me into, you know, uh, group work, group stuff. And, um, it went from an everyday thing to an every week thing to uh, maybe like a couple times a month to once a month to every couple, two months. And, uh, and then eventually to maybe once a year as I continued my healing journey. So it's, it's been a very gradual process because I have a lot of stuff that's unhealed in me. That's still, I still have relationship anxiety. Sometimes it still crops up every once in a while. The difference is now is that, I don't, I, I can separate myself from it and not go down the rabbit hole because I can say, Hey, you know, we've been down this road a hundred times. I'm more resourced within myself. My parts trust me more and I can eat more easily say, Hey, like this, we know that this, like, this is a burden. This is, you know, these are, these are distortions. I'm, I'm being activated. I'm really avoidant right now. There's, so I'm able to identify what's going on more quickly, which doesn't lead me to f- panic and and ruminate so i i think for anyone out there that might resonate with this issue um i think that it is possible to permanently heal from it like i think that there's a point that we can get where we can no longer obsess and ruminate about a relationship i think it's a long road uh, um but i do because a lot of people a lot of clients will say to me when we first meet I know that this is never going to go away, but I really need to learn how to deal with it. And I say to them, no, it's, it's possible to, for it to fully be gone. Um, it's going to take a while and you know, you're going to have to probably manage it for a while, but I like to reiterate to people that it's all wound related. So, and the wounds can be healed. So once the wounds are healed, once the childhood experience is healed with whatever has caused it for the individual, the symptoms start to dissolve. And I see this with people. I see them finish work with me and they feel open and open-hearted and they feel confident in their relationship and they don't have to struggle with doubt anymore. And so I've got these ladybugs that are <laughs> house here. But anyway, yeah, so. Yeah, so, and I think for folks listening, there's going to be the person who clicked on this because they directly relate, and then there's the person who clicked because they're kind of curious and aren't entirely sure. Um, So there's something called reality testing or a reality check. Uh Um, What is that? And how does that help differentiate between, okay, no, you're actually in a horrible relationship, and that's why your body's reacting, versus this is secure and you're just being flared up. I, I, I like to, a lot of people ask me this. How do I know if this relationship is wrong? Or how do I know if this relationship is, if, how do I know if this is relationship anxiety or how do I know if it's my intuition or my gut telling me that it's, it's the wrong relationship and then I have to leave. And, um, Sure, there are relationships that like I I really let people know there's no right or wrong here. Like we want to really because that that fuels the obsessive because a lot what what I see OCD or obsessive and compulsive tendencies rooted in is a lot of shame. 
and not wanting to make a mistake and be bad or wrong or be a horrible person. So if we we want to pull, we want to get rid of the judgmental language of right and wrong. I'm more, I'm more say, is this relationship healthy or unhealthy? And, and I, I, I talk about these basic markers of compatibility and the basic markers of compatibility is, is, and it's kind of based on John, John, John Gottman, John got, yeah. Yeah. John. His work. Yeah. Um, of, uh, where, where he talks about the good enough relationship and, uh, these, ba- I call them basic markers of compatibility, which are, um, you know, or is there a sense of friendship within your relationship? You know, is there mutual understanding and respect for one another? Is it is your relationship free from abuse? And if people don't know what that is, you know, because that can even be confusing in the mind of someone struggling with, which is, is it free from emotional uh, is gaslighting, hitting, uh, whatever, uh, yelling, screaming, um, is your relationship free from, uh, you know, it, is, is there a basic level of respect for one respect. another? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you, can you recover from arguments? Like, can you come back together and can you, uh, work through whatever the argument was? And I even go to say, are you working towards the, you're working on your communication so that you can do that? Not necessarily like, can you come back from it? But are you working on being able to relate to each other in a healthy way? You know, is there a shared, is there at least a shared vision or values in your life? Like you don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to have the same dreams. If you don't have the same dreams, can you support each other in what they, they're dreaming? Can you help them realize their, your partner's dreams? You know, ideally you're in a relationship where you do share at least some vision of where you want to be but other than that i think that's i think that's all we really need in order to be in a in a successful long-term and happy relationship the rest is just fluff attraction head over heels feeling this you know all this the juicy whatever all that's just fluff that's all going to fade away anyway that doesn't mean you can't ignite it in your relationship you can't doesn't mean you can't ignite passion and desire i think those are those are experiences that we can have but I see my relationship now as just a really deep friendship. And that includes romantic aspects of it, which includes intimacy and, and, you know, and uh, so, and I, and I feel, I feel free in that because I don't, I think with a lot of my work, I've been able to release this legacy burden of, of uh, love and mixing love with romance and, I, uh, I feel really good just being able to sit with my partner in the evening after we put our kid to bed and just relaxing and talking or, or doing our own thing or, you know, and sitting next to each other and doing our own thing and, and not being something wildly crazy. I think that that's just unrealistic. And I think there is a difference between uh, we're just roommates versus deep friendship. Um, companionship. So what it looks like in the therapy space when people do come in for sex therapy is it's like, we haven't had sex in a long time, or there's just like this disconnect. We don't, which I describe as not feeling fully seen, fully known or fully loved. Um, And so when you're talking about this deep friendship, or maybe this is what you mean, but what I'm hearing isn't so much this passivity that I think a lot of people are afraid of where it's just, we just coexist 
but yeah. more so a knowing of each other and then being able to ebb and flow together through the different states, not just disconnecting and being buddies. Yeah. 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 I, I, I wouldn't say we're, yeah, I would say it's more of like, um, like for example, I see my relationship well and, and not, and not to mention like not, not to say sometimes it, sometimes we do fall into the buddy thing. Um, but the goal is for me over time and the goal is for her over time is is growing spiritually together and what that looks like is you know is us getting to, to know each other really deeply and holding space for one another and being in our love with one another and um and raising a child and watching and doing everything that we can to raise this child in in the most secure way and holding each other accountable for things that maybe were not ways we're not showing up and helping each other grow like right now my partner Dion is she's uh starting her counseling practice and and pregnancy and postpartum a mental health work and uh and I have this sense of feeling this love and and this support and helping her to realize that goal and I think that this is what it is it's it's and it's it's sort of the paradox of these long-term relate it's it's nothing special and in that it's incredibly special right it's like it's not this crazy rush but it's so it's there's a different deeper sense of meaning that comes from being in in our innate wisdom with one another and helping our each other to to grow and develop and and whatnot so yeah it's not it's not a buddy thing it's definitely a lot more than that um and i think that if we can peel back the layers of expectations of what we feel we should have in our relationship, it's, it's not a getting it's, it's a, it's, it's a sharing, it's a getting and a giving. And I think that if we can, you know, if we can heal these layers of protection, we can feel more of our sense of, you know, I, I think when we heal, when we do this healing work, we, and we're able to show up more authentically in our relationships, these things just naturally start to flourish. Like I, the more that I do the work on myself, the more deeply I'm connected to my heart, the more longing I have to support her and, sh and show up for her and be with her. And then it just becomes a, a sharing in that. And we, I think, you know, it's, if we're going a little bit deeper and we're getting a little bit more meta, we're, it's almost like we use, our relationship we're we're one like there's a sense of oneness that we can share and we we come closer and closer together and there's a sense of union that happens um so anyway i'll pause there no i mean yeah yeah it to bring in the sex therapy part folks are often really disappointed and discouraged by lack of the fireworks or not having sex as often as they did in the beginning yeah to which and you mentioned that too sometimes relationship anxiety and ocd shows up as lack of sexual interest um, yeah i think that's definitely a, a, i think that's more of the 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 attachment or the side of things but yeah it falls into it right like we're not we're complete like i see people with complete lack of sexual desire or sexual interest and uh it's usually when we 
they've turned their attention inside to meet those parts of them that are blocking them. They, the, the parts of them say that the intimacy is way too vulnerable. Like it's the most mm-hmm. being intimate with someone in a way that's not just objectifying someone and using them as an, as an object to get off real true intimacy requires an ability or it requires a trust in the other person to be seen and known. And, uh, we really got to work through what's going on internally of being of where we were wounded and being known, like in the ways that we had to sacrifice our authenticity to remain attached to our caregivers, you know, um, the way we had to show up and morph ourselves to be someone we're not in order to be accepted by society. Like these are all things that get in the way of us being intimate with our partner. And I think that a way through the, the blocks is by meeting the blocks head on and asking them what, what's so scary about being seen and known and then working through that. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's really tricky and, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And that such a big fan of therapy, such a big fan, because I do feel like a therapist is needed for that part to a large yeah. extent. Um, desire is so complex. You've got a physiological component that might be going on, um, which I'm sure your partner also speaks to, especially for postpartum and hormone changes. Mm-hmm. But if we're really just isolating and talking about the the emotional part, I would even just give a really surface level <laughs> quote unquote service level question of how has your desire been sparked up until now with this partner? Because if you can think back even to the first time you realized that touching your genitals felt kind of tingly and good, did desire exist in this atmosphere of um, novelty or mystery or um, hooking up with folks who didn't know you and you never see them again? Um, that's not to place any judgment on anything. It's just literally just look at the big picture because if desire for you has moved most of the time in a certain way, then you enter a relationship where a lot of those elements aren't happening. Like exactly. you're going to have sex for the hundredth time with this person, not the the second time in you know two years because it's on and off. Yeah. Um, and so of course it's going to look and feel different. Yeah, especially with the with the with the porn industry as well, and, and what we've, what a lot of us have internalized as, you know, what sex should look like and whatnot. I think if, so if we're talking about, I th- I think a good way to understand this for people, and if we're talking about IFS therapy and parts work, we have the self, which is our innate inner wisdom, which is love and, and openness and trust and strength and this core solid foundation side. And then we have our parts that are either wounded or protective or healed in the case that we've actually healed our parts. But let's just, for simplicity, we'll say we have our self and we have protective and wounded parts. And our wounded parts are the ones who carry the experiences of being rejected or abused or whatever it is. And our protective parts say, I, I vow to never let that thing happen to you again, where you're going to feel those same feelings as you felt back then. So I'm never going to let you connect to your partner deeply because I'm terrified of them rejecting you and rejection is so painful. So we're just not, we're just going to keep, we're going to keep you just somewhat removed all the time. So you're not able to fully go there. So I think that, um, 
if we can have sex and if we can be intimate with our partners from the self, then that's where we want to be intimate from because the self is ultimately incredibly respectful and the self only moves in the direction of what's good and what's, what's healing. And if we can get our parts to step back enough, and that usually requires therapy and healing so that we can step forward in, in ourself, then we can have these incredibly deep and I'm not there yet by any means. I mean, I still have a lot of avoidance and stuff and, and intimacy is really hard for me. It's not about getting off. It's about a spiritual union and connection with the beloved. And we're really connecting to spirit through the union with one another. And ideally I'd like to get there. Like that's where I'd like to, to go there with, but um, you know, it just, it, it feels the whole, just doing it to get off is very empty. It's, it's an empty thing. It's a, uh, it's, you know, so. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that can be said and more to be said, but I mean, even just rewinding it back to the person who's listening to this, they, maybe they are dating and noticing that emotionally available people give them the quote unquote ick. <laughs> Yeah, or the ick. the ick. Or maybe they're in a relationship new. Maybe they've been with someone for five years and they are just lighting up with what you're saying. What could be a next step for them um, in regards to your work? Well, this is, I understand, like, let me preface by saying I get that. I get that um, some people aren't as advantaged when it comes to being able to afford therapy. Like I, um, I really Definitely. get that. And I, um, and I really feel for people that can't do that, or they're not able to, to make it happen. Um, so let me, let me speak for those who can first, and then I'll speak for those who might not have access to healthcare or mental health. Yeah, that'd stuff. be great. So for those that can therapy, like and finding someone who specializes in more of a depth work where you're actually going into the like where there's a where there's a processing of the early experiences whether that's IFS whether that's EMDR there's lots of different approaches that lead to the permanent healing of of the wounds um and uh memory there there's a there's a the science of memory reconsolidation that's out that's proving that we can actually heal our wounds and um and the and there's a list there's a list of therapies that fit together with memory reconsolidation so um i would recommend finding a therapist that specializes in something that's not just talk therapy that go helps you go deeper and actually helps you reprocess things for those that maybe don't have access to it um what would you say? Get out there and be in relationship. Yeah. So definitely, and it not just romantic, it can be friends, it can be um, dating. But yeah. I think a lot of the time, or at least on my end, I'll hear folks who go to the avoidance side of, I just really am enjoying my independence. And so that this is too much. I just, I don't want to yeah. have to deal with that. I was fine <laughs> alone. And this current cultural trend really glorifies that and praises that. Yeah. Self-love, yeah. all that cutesy stuff, which like, yes, but not to the extreme, like be in community. Yeah. When a friend disappoints you, instead of 
cutting them off or just withdrawing from setting up that next friend date, like lean into it. Exactly. It's uncomfortable that I think that would be like the, the step one of it. Step two would be dating because you're in a little bit closer proximity. And then step three, super depth challenge mode would be with family. But I think that would be the practical way to practice it in conjunction with listening to podcasts, reading books. There's lots of information out there too, right? Yeah. So uh, my Instagram handles at for love we heal. Uh, and my website's for lovewehealcom If you're looking to go a little bit deeper into this process and work through some of this stuff, I've got a team of practitioners who also specialize in relationship OCD, and they also use IFS, and they're informed on all this stuff. So don't hesitate to reach out and book with us today. <laughs> <laughs> Click subscribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So if you listen to this episode and you feel like you can definitely relate, then Alex's information is in the show notes, but also remember what we talked about, about all the different ways that you can get help, whether it be through therapy or another avenue. And if you do know someone that it seems like they might be able to relate to this podcast episode or relationship OCD, send them the episode and talk about it. See what they think or feel um it's definitely not a black and white situation where it has to look exactly like maybe alex's experience maybe you've got a different version of it but for the most part you can relate to the trend of it and if so let's get you into community let's get you closer to help okay so take good care of yourself be gentle with yourself and over time it gets easier you get closer and closer to letting yourself feel fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. We'll talk soon.